Our Father, we thank you for the amazing grace that everyone in this room who has experienced salvation has experienced through the love of God. And on this day when we remember love in a special way, I want to say thank you, Lord, for loving us. Many of the songs we've sung today, love lifted me, wonderful love that came into our hearts. Because of that love, you the pearly gates will open. And because of that love, we can walk in the garden with Jesus. Because of that love, we look to Calvary with gratitude. Have thy way in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name, asking the Holy Spirit to do his work of conviction and comfort. Amen. Amen. Turn your Bible, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> A lot of scriptures in the Bible about the heart. 1 Samuel 10, 9, God gave him another heart. That's what we need. 1 Samuel 13, 14, a man after God's own heart. That was said about David. 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord looks on the heart. 1 Kings 16, 8, the heart perfect with the Lord. Job 23, 16, God maketh my heart soft. Psalm 101, verse 4, we're warned about a froward heart or a proud heart. Proverbs 8, an understanding heart. Proverbs 15, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Then in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In Acts 5, 3, why hath Satan filled thine heart? Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give thee a heart of flesh. In the words of Jesus, John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. In Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. God looks into our heart. He knows all about us. That's a remarkable thought when you remember that here on earth, we wonder sometimes what's in somebody's mind. Some people go to a fortune teller to try to find that out. Or we think about mental telepathy and try to read what somebody else is thinking. But God knows all along. We may hide the outside, sometimes with a smile. The song says, I'll hide my heartaches behind a smile and wait for reasons till after a while. There are a lot of reasons why we have heartaches. The Apostle Paul knew a lot about heartaches. The other day in one of the messages, I mentioned that passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul outlines all the things that had happened to him. Stripes, whippings, tumults, revolutions, all kinds of things. We've been studying 2 Timothy. We come to chapter 4 today. <clears throat> In this chapter, Paul is giving a final charge. The last words that a person gives before they enter the other life are always important words. 
Some of you may remember the word of a mother or daddy or a son or a daughter or a brother or sister. We think of one of the ladies in our congregation today who just one year ago today, her daughter died. Those words that were important in her life must ring in her heart today. Well, Paul is going to pass off the scene. He met Timothy at Lystra. At Lystra, he was on a mission journey and they stoned him. They left him for dead, but God was not through with Paul. Keep in mind that we're immortal until our mission is finished. We don't really need to worry about when we're going to die. We'll live until our mission is finished as we walk in the will of God. But Paul knew he was coming to the end. He was in a Roman prison. He was there because he had taken a stand for the word of the Lord. They had hated Christians in that day and much like in some circles today, people hate Christians. It's interesting in America, a land founded by Christian principles, by Christian individuals. You can say anything you want to against Christians, it's acceptable. But you can't say anything about homosexuals or those whose lives are deviant. You must be tolerant. You certainly cannot say anything about Muslims. But anything you want to say about Christians, okay. Do it on the radio, you can do it anywhere you want to. Well, it was like that in the day of Rome. The Roman emperor hated Christians. He burned the city of Rome, had to blame it on somebody, so he got all the Christians he could to come back to Rome, and he blamed it on them, and the apostle Paul was one of them. Paul had been very, very open in his commitment, in his stand, in his preaching. So now he's in a Roman prison, chained to a Roman guard. In just a few days, he'll be gone. Tradition says he was beheaded on the Appian Way outside the city of Rome. In this chapter, chapter four, Paul gives a final charge. I charge you to present the word or preach the word. Fulfill the mandate. Guard against failure. Remember the Lord will never forsake you. He will stand with you when others fail. Then watch for the departure date. It's coming. As we think about this, let's think for a few minutes. Look at chapter four, verse one. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead and his appearing in his kingdom. Paul is saying this to Paul. Uh, Paul is saying this to uh, Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, I want to give you a, a charge. I want to ask you to do certain things. And uh, as you do this, keep in mind that God is watching your heart. He looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And keep that in mind. So Paul is saying, Timothy, one day God is going to judge the quick, that is those who are alive, and the dead when he comes a second time. In 1 Thessalonians chapter four, he said, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you saw not either others which have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we also believe that those who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we ever be with the Lord. So Jesus is coming. And Paul says, Timothy, I just want to give you a final charge. In the light of the fact that he is coming, we don't know the day, but he's coming. So I want to ask you, first of all, preach the word. Look in verse 2. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Get the word out, whatever it costs. That's the important thing. Get the word out. Not only was Paul saying this to Timothy in the years gone by, he's saying it to us today. Preach the word, get the word out. That's the reason for the mission maps. Around the wall, we have those lights showing lights of the gospel in the distant um, areas of the world. And as we give, we give to get missionaries out there to give the gospel out. And God blesses as we do this. Get the word of God out. I think of Lottie Moon who spent 40 years in China died of starvation. She was so in love with the Chinese people that she gave her own food to them that they might live. She died in Kobe Harbor on Christmas Eve. I think of Jim Elliott. I was in Lansing Mission at the time in 1955 when the word came in the papers, five missionaries waste their lives. They've gone down to the Orcas Indians and have been slain by the Orcas Indians. They ought to have kept themselves alive so God could use them. That's what the headline said in the Lansing paper. They did die, but as a result, the Orcas Indians heard the love of Christ. And today, many of those Orcas Indians are saved. They're on their way to heaven. They're telling others about Jesus because of Nat Saint and Jim Elliott and some of those other great missionary men. Get the word out. Fulfill the word. Preach the word. Get it out. That's what he says to Glendale Baptist Church. That's what he says to everyone in this place. Get the word of God out. Tell other people about Jesus. Go soul winning. Knock on doors. Tell them about the Lord. The other day, we visited a lady at the nursing home. She's bedridden, can't get out of bed, can't be here very long. I remember the day after she had slammed the door in my face. Walked in that door right over there. The invitation was given, she came down here. She said, I'm ashamed of my way I treated you. And I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart and forgive my sins. Give her the word. See, get the word out. Don't worry whether they want you or don't want you. Just go anyway. Some will receive you and some will not. The book of Acts closes with a statement. Some believed and some believed not. Secondly, fulfill the mandate. Keep at it. Don't give up. Don't quit. Look, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. After their own lusts, they shall 
heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. We're living in a day when the gospel is not always well received. It's really interesting, isn't it? If I told you that tonight, everybody that came to this service tonight, even if it snows, I'm gonna give you $5,000. How many of you'd come? Look at that, see? See there? Now wait a minute. <clears throat> Jesus promises eternal life. Life forgiver. Life with no end. Life in a mansion over in glory. A wonderful, wonderful home. If you'll come, you can have it. We build up a resistance. We say they're trying to trick me. Nobody's trying to trick you. You need Jesus. He came to offer you life and life abundant. Life eternal, life abundant. So those of us who are charged with getting the word out, don't forget the mandate. Go into all the world, make the disciples of all the nations, tell them about Jesus, get the word out. Go, go, go. <clears throat> and as you go, tell them about Jesus. Again and again, that commission is repeated. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ did be reconciled to God. Thirdly, guard against failure. Look in verse 10, one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, is the part of Thessalonica. We don't know very much about Demas except he was an associate of the Apostle Paul. Everybody thought he was a Christian. He might have been, but Paul says, he's forsaken me, he's left. And I wanna warn you, there will be along the way some people that you have your trust in, your faith in, and they'll desert you. They'll no longer be your friend. Some woman will come home and say to her husband, I don't love you anymore, I want out. Or some husband will come home and say, I don't love you anymore, I want out. One of the saddest things I can remember is several Valentine days ago, a lady called me on the phone in the afternoon with tears. We knew her, you might know her if I mentioned her name, I won't mention her name. She said, my husband came home last night, told me he didn't love me anymore, he wants out. And she said, this is Valentine's Day, and I remember the Valentine's he's given me in the past. She said, it hurts deeply. Well, that happens. Life isn't really fair. The sooner we understand that life isn't fair, the better off we'll be. And Paul is saying, guard against failure. Guard against discouragement. Some will fall along the way. He goes on to mention in chapter four, verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. There are going to be some people that won't like what you're doing. Or they will appear to like what you're doing for a while and then they will desert you. He says, guard against failure. Don't give up. Don't get upset because others are going to stand with you. Look at verses 10 to 14. 
Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, that's Yugoslavia. Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee for he's profitable me of ministry. Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou goest, bring that with, with, with thee, and so on. And then look down in verse 19. Salute Prisca and Aquila and Onesiphorus and Erastus and Trophimus and Eubulus and Pudens and Linus and Claudia. <laughs> Paul had a lot of friends. Keep in mind, when you serve the Lord, you're going to have some friends. Now, there'll be some that'll desert you. Some will not like what you're doing. Some may even be ashamed when you pray in public. I was amazed. Some time ago, I was out with a group of people and uh, we were eating at a restaurant. Just before we were eating, I said, let's bow together in prayer. And one per person looked at me and said, this is public. You don't do that here in public, do you? I said, yeah, we want to let everybody know we're Christians. Well, I've never done that before. Well, I said, well, you do whatever you want to do. We're going to pray. We got through after the meal. That person came to me and said, thank you for doing that. I've never done that before. I didn't know you were allowed to do that in public. One of the best places to be a witness is in a restaurant when you're getting ready to eat. Whether it's McDonald's or Wendy's or Cracker Barrel, Denny's, wherever you are, stop and pray before you eat. And at your home, always pray. I'm amazed when I go out in these restaurants and I see folks with children get together and they get their food and they start gobbling it like pigs. Let that never be said by anybody that goes to this church. When you go out to eat, stop and pray. Thank the Lord. See, you're a, you're a witness and you're an influence and you're helping others to encourage you. The other day I was at a restaurant and when we got finished, I had my Bible with me. And um, a lady came by and said, uh, while well, I was with another person, we were studying the Bible. And this person came by and said, I just want to tell you, thank you for reading the Bible in public. She said, that's not done very often. You see, there's, there's an extra blessing when you let your testimony be known by all men. It won't hurt anybody. Certainly, we bless somebody. So guard against fear. Paul is saying, Demas has forsaken me, but there are going to be some friends along the way who will be an encouragement or blessing. Then he says, the Lord will never forsake you. Look at, look at verses uh, 16 to 18. At my first answer, no man stood with me. All men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. He strengthened me that by me, the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, you may have some tough times. Some may desert you. Some friends may stand with you, but the Lord will always be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. Not in a million years. If I should ask in this meeting this morning, how many of you have gone through an experience where you thought the Lord had deserted you? We might have somebody say, yes, I've had a tough time. I didn't know the Lord was there or not. 
But when you look back on it and you think what God has done with you, and I say, did God really desert you? You'll have to say, no, he didn't desert me. I may have left him, but he didn't leave me. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The last thing, one of the most precious passages in the entire Bible, beginning in verse six. Even Paul, keep in mind that Paul has known Timothy for many years now. Paul is probably 65 or 70 years old. He served the Lord for about 35 years. He's in a Roman prison. He soon will be beheaded for the word of God. That's what he says, verse six. I am now ready to be offered. He looks at his death as an offering before the Lord, a libation offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. This has to do with the heart. Homer wrote it here, he used to lead the great congregations of America in a song, if your heart keeps right, if your heart keeps right, every cloud will wear a rainbow if your heart keeps right. And if we keep our minds stayed toward heaven, we keep in mind that one day we're going to depart here, we're gonna be in a wonderful place called heaven, the city of God. John Newton, you know the story of his work on the slavery trade from Africa. He took human beings and sold them. He filled his ship with people from Africa, treated them like cattle, squeezed them in, see how many could get in, sold them all over the world but God changed his life. In our Sunday school lesson, we read about Rahab today, how God changed her life. God can change anybody. And on one of the anniversaries of his salvation experience, John Newton wrote these words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. The Lord has promised good to me, his word my hope and secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yet when this flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine. And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. So I wanna ask you, where's your heart this morning? This is called Heart Sunday. If your heart keeps right, if your heart keeps right, there's a ray of sunshine in the darkest night. If your heart keeps right, and if you have given your heart to Jesus, he will enable you. He is the enabler to help you love the Lord with all your heart and have victory. Demas may forsake you, 
other friends that you thought were friends, fair-weather friends, they may be gone, but he'll never leave you. I'll be with you all the way. So I want to ask you, have you put your trust in Jesus? Do you know him as your Savior? If you have, let's say thank you to him. Bow your head with me, will you? Close your eyes for just a moment. Our eyes closed and heads bowed. Our Father, we thank you for the goodness of God. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. Lived 2,000 years ago. We still read about him and study about him and learn lessons from his life and hear from him how other friends may have forsaken, close loved ones, but you never did forsake him for a moment. You went with him out the Appian Way and when his life was ended here, you received him to that glorious tabernacle of heaven. I pray today, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will touch somebody's heart who's without Jesus and they'll come to Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. Page 468, without him, I could do nothing. 468, the invitation is very simple.